Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ever since I've started this podcast, people are always asking me for betting tips. I always get asked, who you got? Lakers or Clippers? Rodgers or Mahomes? And I'll always tell you what I tell them. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets. The one sportsbook guaranteed to give me the best lines for every single playoff game coming up in the NFL. We've got the NFC title game and the AFC title game on Sunday. Packers are hosting the Buccaneers, and the Bills are at the Chiefs. Going to be a really fun weekend of football, so make sure that you're betting with my bookie. You know me, and you know I don't give my stamp of approval very easily. You've got to earn it to be the best at what you do. Certainly not something Jim Boylan could ever say for himself. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. And Jim Boylan is not the best coach out there, far from it, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HoopBall, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best, bet with my bookie. All right, Bulls fans, it's showtime. Fire it up. Let's go! The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome on into the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast here on the Hoop Ball Network. Greg Moraz, your host, as always. Remember, write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. We want to boost up our metrics and become one of the more popular Chicago Bulls podcasts. We have a long way to go in order to do that, but I'm confident that one day we might be able to get there. We are also brought to you by MyBookie and Manscaped. Go check out our two awesome sponsors. They help us keep the lights on here at HoopBall. Not really going to do much in this intro. I want to intro my guest, Tony Gill. He is a content producer for NBC Sports Chicago, covers the Bulls and all of the Chicago professional sports teams for NBC Sports Chicago, a multimedia content producer, and just an all-around good guy. Really excited to have Tony come on the show today. Looking ahead at the Bulls' schedule, they are on the road on Friday at Charlotte, and they'll come home to play the Lakers on Saturday, so another road home back-to-back for Chicago. Off on Sunday, then they will host the Boston Celtics on Monday night, 
then off to Memphis on Wednesday, and then back home to finish out the month of January on Saturday against the Portland Trailblazers. That's Saturday the 30th, and I should note that they then start a back-to-back home series with the New York Knicks. So certainly some opportunities for some wins coming up. Obviously, you cannot expect to beat the Lakers or the Celtics, but the Bulls proved that they could keep it close in L.A., and really the Bulls have been in every game since they got blown out by Indiana in the second game of the year. They've been in every basketball game. Okay, maybe with the exception of the game against the Milwaukee Bucks, but other than that game, the Bulls have been competitive in every game that they've played since then. They are 6-8, and eight, headed to Charlotte on Friday, and when we come back, we'll get a state of the Bulls from somebody who covers them on a daily basis. Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago joins us next. We'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Tony Gill here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Do you like free stuff? Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Brewski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in the email newsletter, and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Brewski, straight to your inbox. And also, folks, we've got to tell you about the Fantasy Pass. Fantasy draft season is over, and you Brewski 150'd your way to a hell of a team. But the season has just begun. The Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 per month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. We know you'll love it, but it's always nice to have that option. The Fantasy Pass has everything you'll need to dominate all year. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the HoopBall Discord server, where you all can hang out with HoopBall pros around the clock and get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. Welcome on back to the HoopBall Chicago Bulls podcast here on the HoopBall Network. I am excited to be joined by content producer for NBC Sports Chicago. He has got his fingers in everything Chicago Bulls. Please welcome to the program, Tony Gill. Tony, how are you doing this evening, man? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I definitely appreciate you guys reaching out, man. Let's talk some hoops. Hoops is the greatest game there is. There is no argument about that. Tony, you have had your pulse on the Bulls for several years now. And we all know that the Jim Boylan era was an abject disaster. Despite a 6-8 and eight record, this is a Bulls team that gives me signs of encouragement because they're playing much better offensive basketball, and the guys that are a part of this young core are playing a lot better. What is the biggest sign to you that says that the Bulls are moving in the right direction organizationally? Uh, everybody's smiling and laughing now during games and enjoying themselves versus last year where everybody seemed just kind of dejected. 
Uh, like I know like there are obvious on court signs and that's what you want to see, right? You want to see on court um, growth, but you know, a lot of that can also come from just having another year together in the league. Um, what I looked at was how were they responding to Billy Donovan and his teaching and his coaching? It is a complete 180 from what was last year. Like, yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, they have to, they all have to be professional. They all have to, you know, listen to Jim Boylan to a certain degree. But there was no buy-in on their end with Jim Boylan. They seemed to buy in with Billy Donovan in this new regime. And you can tell that just how the way they communicate amongst each other and how they communicate with Billy Donovan when he's getting on them. And you can tell in the post-game, like, Billy isn't holding any punches either. Like, you know, there were times where Jim Boylan would say stuff about, you know, some players and they would take a almost offense to that um, just by their faces, their demeanor. But Billy Donovan isn't holding back anything either. But it's the way he's expressing that um, to them, that he really wants them to get better. He really wants this to work in this group to get better. And they really have bought in with that. Um, you see, obviously, switching over to the court uh, things that they're doing, the offense looks miles it looks like a normal NBA offense like I mean I know that's kind of bare minimum but I don't want fans to forget where this group was at this time last season like I mean it, I don't know what they were doing defensively with their blitzing scheme like that was awful they were losing games like after having leads like repeatedly in second halves like it was so bad for this team this year it, just to have a sense of normalcy like we just well, today, January 20th, we had an exchanging of power in terms of the presidency. It feels normal now. <laughs> like, same thing with the Bulls. It, we just want it to feel like a normal, growing NBA team. And that's what Bulls fans, and that's what how the Bulls are being played right now. You talk about the normalcy of the Bulls. And the biggest player in that equation, to me, is Zach Levine. Zach Levine looks like a much different guy than the Zach Levine we saw under Jim Boylan and Fred Hoiberg. He had a stretch of five straight games scoring at least 30 points. He's shooting much more efficiently, and he can take over games whenever he wants to. Tony, what is the biggest difference in this year's Zach Levine from the Zach Levine of years past? Uh, well, I mean, it, I'm trying to get away from it, but I just can't steer away from you know kind of what I just said. Zach has bought in like he's really, really bought in and he's trusting his coach and his teammates. Um, his scoring was always there. Zach is an elite, elite bucket getter. That's what he does. Um, now he's become more efficient at it. Um, he's picking his spots a lot better and he's adding the playmaking aspect to his game as well. There have been games, you know, so far in, the, you know, what they play, like, what, 14 games or so, um, where he doesn't take, like, more than five shots and a half, more than four shots and a half, and then turns it on in the second half because he wants to get his teammates involved and he knows he can get his, like, whenever. Like, that, we haven't seen that part of Zach. Like, last year, Zach had issues with finding, with uh, deciphering when the double team was coming, how to get the ball out on time when the double team was coming, uh, his pick and roll. Uh, as the ball handler wasn't that great. He didn't find those passing lanes. He's doing that a lot better now. Um, he has grown his offensive game to not just the scoring aspect. And that's something that star players, like players on the, on, or uh, as the best player on their team, that's what they do. They have to facilitate usage rates for uh, 
for players that are the best players on their team has shot up through the roof to like unprecedented levels. Example, James Harden, right? Like the key is find, identify your best player in the organization, give him the ball a bunch and let him do the things because he's, that's your best chance of winning is having your best player do all the things, do as many things as possible, have them operate and find, and find, and find his teammates. And I think that's what Zach is doing so far. And to that point, Tony, we saw, I think it was in the Clippers game, or maybe it was the Lakers game, I can't remember which, he had 10 assists. Like, in what universe under Jim Boylan would Zach Levine have a 10-assist game? Like, he can still make a big impact without scoring 30 points, and to me, that's the biggest difference from what Zach has been in the past to what he is now. Exactly, exactly. I mean, there were issues last year with Zach trusting his teammates, trusting who's going to be there from night to night. Um, he was trying to be, uh, he was trying to find that guy last year by every, I mean, he had to depend on a Ricky last year to help him with scoring. Like that was a big thing with him. Um, cause Laurie wasn't there. Uh, Otto wasn't there. Uh, that had inconsistent minutes. Um, there was no Garrett Temple. Wendell Carter was still trying to find himself. Like there were so many uncertainties with this team around Zach. It was hard for him to trust anybody, but now we're getting some veteran play from Otto Porter because he's been there. Uh, Garrett Temple has been a godsend for this team um, as, as a veteran. He's been uh, masterful in terms of his role. Uh, and I can't forget the rookie. You know, Patrick Williams doing all the dirty work uh, for this team so far, guarding team's best player. He's been thrown in the fire and he's been handling that pretty well for a rookie. So um, Zach has certainly the trust factor is more with him and it, it's kind of like a, a relief for him a little bit uh, on the court and you can see that now that he has that trust factor with his teammates we are here with Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago he is a content producer for that organization a super good dude who is kind enough to join us here on another edition of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast year number two for Kobe White Billy Donovan said that he wanted to try him out as that primary point guard. I don't feel like he was drafted as a primary point guard. Tony, I work with somebody by the name of Don McClain, who is actually the guy that worked out Kobe White with CAA in L.A. prior to the 2019 draft. And Don told me that he thinks that Kobe could be a point guard, but it was going to take a lot of refinement and a lot of really good coaching. Do you feel like Kobe White is on his way to being a respectable primary ball handler in a respectable NBA organization? And I say that with the clarification of you could put him on any team and say, this is a guy that I trust to run my offense. I mean, uh, it's all right. Gun to my head. That's probably poor phrasing, but <laughs> gun to my head. Um, I don't think so. Like, I, I think he can do the job, right? Like, if you, if you put him in there and ask him to do this, I think he can do it. Is that the best version that you can get from him is the question. Um, are you sacrificing a more, a better version of Kobe trying to fit him in the traditional playmaking role is the question. Um, and can he, I mean, because like we've seen games where he's had excellent passing games, he, he, but you can tell he's looking for it. 
is not a natural feel for him to be that. He wants to turn that corner on that pick and roll, go right to the rim or hit that step back three. Like that's what his natural in- inclination is. He's grown that a little bit. Uh, I've talked to some of his people um, about what he worked on during the off season. Uh, I was told he was in North Carolina uh, for the majority of the off season, working with uh, Kendall Marshall, your college uh, basketball guy, now assistant coach at North Carolina University of North Carolina, working on his pick and roll game, uh, putting on uh, a little bit of weight, um, and also refining his game, uh, his uh, his passing ability. Um, I've always said this. Uh, once they make the announcement that they're going to try and work them out at the traditional point guard is I've never, I've never seen it on the NBA level where you're trying to make a guy a point guard at the NBA level. Like I, I just have never seen it. Um, if Kobe wants to be the, you know, the, the, the new precedent set, that'll be fine. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. But I just haven't seen it. It's changing a guy from, what he naturally wants to do into something else. It, it hardly ever works on maximizing that player skill level. I think he's best served as a Lou Williams type, you know, a guy that comes off the bench for you, gives you buckets, you know, and then proceeds to leave the court. And, and, and it depends. It depends. You know, if he's hot, leave him in to finish off the game. Um, but as a traditional playmaking point guard, and I, I think you've seen kind of Zach, take a, a little bit more of that role away from him in recent games where Zach is being the primary ball handler. Zach is being the primary playmaker for this team and Kobe just slid right into what he naturally does. Um, so for the, the long-term future of the bulls, I think they still need to find that guy. And it, it doesn't have to be traditional. Like, I mean, LeBron James is the point guard of the Lakers. Like Nikola Jokic is the point guard for the Denver Nuggets. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in a point, Chris ball size box, you know, of traditional point guards that we typically see. It could be in other places, but they, I think they still need to find that guy that's able to get everybody involved. Do you think that that's something they address this upcoming off season, or is that basically a see what the situation gives you before you make that type of decision type of decision? <laughs> I think they, uh, I think they go into the off season still looking for it. Um, they had to see, right? We all had to see it because Kobe was just getting into that starting role before the season set, uh, shut down uh, last year. So we didn't really get a good enough sample size to see if your top 10 pick can be that guy. Um, I think using this year uh, as the example of, okay, what do we see Kobe being? I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, because again, you had to see it. You had to make sure that going into next year's draft with again, a decent crop of point guards that you don't necessarily need to draft that. So, um, I think they're going to have to look at that position again. They're, they're going to have to find a guy that can set the table for the other pieces, especially, especially if, uh, Laurie marketing is here. A lot of his baskets come from assisted shots. So he's going to need somebody to set the table for him long-term if, Laurie is in the, uh, the long-term future of the Bulls. You just read my mind, Tony, because that's where I wanted to go next. We're here with Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. The Bulls declined to extend Laurie Markkinen by the deadline, which means that he is a restricted free agent after this season. Laurie is somebody that I look at as being an inefficient player that when he is efficient – 
can drop 20-plus on any given night. I don't know what to make of him at this point. I love the potential of him coming out of the University of Arizona because he was the best player on that team that, in my opinion, that year in 2016-17 could have won the national championship. Like, I did, like, five NCAA bracket pools that year, and I had Arizona winning in, like, four of them, and they lose in the Sweet 16. Do you think there is a future for Lowry in this organization? And if so, do you feel like the Bulls are invested in making him what they thought he was going to be when they drafted him? Um, Laurie is the biggest question mark of this season because, look, we saw February, what, what was that? February 2018, Laurie marketing, where he was averaging for the entire month, like 30 and 12. Like, I, I can't forget seeing that. Like, it was a whole month of just dominance. And you were like, Birdman hand rubs. Like, we, I think we got a, a more athletic Dirk here. Like, I can't get those images out of my mind of what February 2018 was with Laurie marketing. And then it just went away. And we haven't seen that Laurie since. And, you know, you can add coaching. You can, you know, have a bunch of other health. Like, all of those are true. But Laurie just hasn't been the same aggressive type of player that 2018 was. Um, it's almost like, Mr. Bissy almost to a certain degree. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's almost like that because now you're left kind of with an empty bag. Like I know I saw what I saw, but why am I not seeing it anymore? So I think the confusing thing about Laurie is he has all the physical tools and all the physical gifts that it's there. It's just in here. And I'm, if you're listening to this, I'm pointing at my heart right now. <laughs> like, it, he has to go get it, and he has to want it. He has to, you know, when somebody is an obvious mismatch, don't just fade away to the three-point line, call for the ball, and go get it and dominate like we all saw you did. Um, now, he's got a season to prove that. And guys are motivated by the money. And uh, from the reports that I've heard, the, the Bulls and Laurie, they weren't together on any number. Um, so that means the Bulls may have lowballed him a little bit. Uh, and it deservedly so. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't shown any type of uh, offensive aggressiveness. And he's kind of a turnstile defensively. So if you're not getting buckets on a consistent basis, why are you out there? So um, Laurie is, again, he's the biggest question mark of this year. Um, I don't know if he's going to be here long term. I think you know, the Kings, like I always make fun of the Kings. Like they did the same thing with Zach, right? The Kings threw a lot of money at Zach. The Bulls matched it. That was smart. Now they're in a sweet deal with Zach Levine. If somebody gives Zach Laurie marketing some crazy money, talking in the mid twenties or, you know, in the $20 million range per, per season, I don't think they bring them back just because like, if, if, you, if they're planning on giving Zach Levine a max contract and that's a, whole different show and a different conversation to have like they got to consider that do you want zach levine and laurie marketing to be your two highest paid players on the team and where does that get you it doesn't really get you a whole lot of places and the reason why i just get frustrated so much with laurie marketing is that there is a statistic that i looked up for my normal job at pac-12 network he is the only seven foot or taller player to average over 40% from three-point range in a single season as a freshman. 
in the history of the Pac-12. Think about that. Mm-hmm. In the history of the conference that has seen teams like UCLA and Arizona win multiple national championships, the potential is there. That's why it's just so frustrating that he can't put it together on a back-to-back basis. He is one of the streakiest players in the NBA, and like you were alluding to, that's maybe one reason why the Bulls don't want to bring him back because you can't expect a consistent performance from night to night, and I think that's what frustrates Bulls fans so much about him. He hides in games, and that's just honest, just being honest. These last couple years, you forget he's on the floor. Why am I forgetting a seven-foot three-point shooter that can get to the rim and and finish over the top of people? Why am I forgetting he's on the court at times? That should not be happening, especially when the expectation when they drafted him was they were going to try and – he was going to be one of the pillars going forward to rebuild this organization. And he just hasn't been a consistent player with his health uh, and with this play. So if uh, if he wants, if he doesn't want to be one of those many players that are off of their, you know, that is a top 10 pick that doesn't, you know, get that second contract after their rookie deal, um, nobody wants to get traded or moved from, you know, on their rookie deal. Like that, that's embarrassing. Like nobody wants that on their, you know, resume. They want to prove to the organization that drafted them. They want to prove to the fan base. Uh, that was there in the beginning that they are worth it, that they are there to be built upon um, and that he he's going to be a staple for this franchise, but that has you know yet to be seen over a, you know, a consistent enough time with him. We are here with Tony Gill of NBC sports Chicago here on the hoop ball Chicago bulls podcast. We haven't talked yet about Wendell Carter jr. And I feel like he is making strides this year in the preseason He really wanted to prove that he could shoot from the outside, and that wasn't working. I feel like Wendell has really found his role being that guy that runs the offense from the low and the high post. What have you seen from Wendell Carter Jr. that proves that he is also a long-term piece in this Arturis Karnishevis, Mark Eversley, Billy Donovan organization? I think he's still – look, everybody is in wait-and-see mode. And that's what I think I like the most about Eversley and Arturis is because they're giving everybody an equal opportunity to prove that they they belong here long-term. And that goes for everybody. Zach Levine, everybody on this roster, except maybe Patrick Williams. They they, they drafted him. That's their baby. He's going to be here for a little while. But everybody else, you got to prove it. You got to prove it. Like, to a certain degree, your record was your record last year you were part of that you made that happen these last two two seasons no, no matter what happened with the coaching now that you're in they're putting you in the best position to win now now it's time to prove it and that goes for Wendell um I gotta say I was worried about Wendell and I'm still a little bit worried you know about Wendell um he seems to be he's a very smart person and a very smart basketball player um it's just not too many times this year that I'm seeing him play and not think. Um, he's always thinking, should I take the shot? N- no, like, no, you got to go play basketball. Like you got, it's, basketball is a field game. If you take that one second, that one second think without, um, um, without moving, without playing, that's all the defense needs to, you know, to, to get back to you. And that goes for offensively and defensively as well. Um, he's not getting an, in as much foul trouble. That's a bonus. That is a plus for him. Um, but 
offensively, he's still trying to find his footing, you know, in this Billy Donovan off. And, and to Billy's credit, he's giving Wendell all the room to succeed. Like he's not bashing him. He's letting him figure this out because that center position, I think, from at least, and this is, I don't know this for sure. I don't have a connection to our tourists like that. That's Casey Johnson's job. <laughs> but from what, from what I see and how Billy talks about Wendell in uh, after practices in post games and in, in pregames, they see him kind of like as that they can use Wendell like Denver uses Jokic as the centerpiece of, of, of playmaking a little bit. Um, because he's a, he's that smart of a player. And I think he has that potential to be that. It's just once he stopped thinking so much and actually playing the game, getting the feel, knowing what he wants to do on off. If you don't want to take that three, that's fine. That's fine. Everybody isn't built to take threes. You don't have to take it, but every so often, step into that, take that 15-foot jumper with confidence. And that's my whole thing. Play with confidence. You'll find it eventually. Hard mistakes are worse than the thinking ones. Are, are, are better than the thinking mistakes because that means you're hesitating. You don't want to hesitate. Play hard, play smart, do what you can in the minutes that you have. Uh, uh, and then I think you'll see the, the the growth that we all want to see from Wendell because I think he's got it. Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago joining us here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. You've talked a couple times about Patrick Williams. I love this kid. I think he is a great defender. He shows he can block shots on a consistent basis. He's a really good on-ball defender. His offensive game is growing. We forget this is a guy that's only 19 years old and basically was a sixth man last year at Florida State. He didn't really start at all. And a coach like Leonard Hamilton, he knows how to develop young guys. So when I see somebody get as glowing of reviews as Patrick Williams does, not just by his own coaches, but LeBron James even said after the Lakers played the Bulls that the Bulls have a real one in Patrick Williams. What about him shows that he could be the centerpiece of this organization for a decade to come? Because everything that I see from him shows that this is a truly fundamentally sound basketball player. Uh, two things. One, he's shooting the three better than anybody can predict a rookie to shoot the three ball from. Um, and the next one is he never seems flustered. Even if he makes a mistake, he's never seemed bothered by it. Like it doesn't tax him mentally. He's always calm. He's always in the moment when he's in the game, even though the, the stats may not show it every game. And they're throwing him in the fire and he's handling it as a rookie pretty well. Like Billy Donovan is not saving him. He's not protecting him, you know, in terms of, all right, you know, maybe you don't need to guard LeBron. No, he's putting Patrick Williams when he's out there. He's, uh, you know, had a, a, an injury uh, recently, but he should be back fairly soon. He's putting him on these guys and he's getting the positive feedback from these guys. Um, I mean, is it the name baby Kawhi Leonard has been thrown out there? Like it has just because of his demeanor and what he does defensively. Um, and, and kind of the trajectory of kind of what Kawhi was early on, right? The, the quiet guy, but he will dog you out on defense. Like if you got a guy that's already bothering NBA superstars in his rookie rookie season, that is a huge tale about what's to come. Um, and, and I'm excited because you, you know, you watch basketball, the, the year one to year two jump, like for rookies is 
crazy for the for the guys that put in the work. His jump, I think, is going to be so phenomenal from year one to year two with a actual full offseason, with a full training camp. He's already got an NBA body, and he hasn't even worked with NBA trainers for a full year yet. Guys are bouncing off of him. Like, he has all the physical tools. He has all the the, the mental – and, and it's crazy because, like, when the Bulls drafted him, everybody was like, wait, what? What is this? Like, bashing him. And then they start seeing his tape. Then they start looking at his workouts. Like, then, like, what can he be – like, the ceiling is limitless for him physically. It's like all he needs is that 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 go-to, right, that, that one conversation, right, going into year two from Billy Donovan, from Mo Cheeks, from Arturis and Mark Eversley. Like, look, we believe you got this. We're putting the battery in your back. Go get buckets. Go do what you do. And I feel like that's all the conversation that he needs once they feel like he's prepared for that conversation. And I think you're going to see a takeoff with Patrick Williams. Couple more questions here for Tony Gill on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. And we appreciate his time here on a Wednesday evening. You'll be hearing this on Thursday morning. I'm going to give you one guy to keep of your three veterans here. And I'm not putting Tomas Sadoransky in this group because I just don't feel like he's a part of this future. Otto Porter, Garrett Temple, Thad Young. You get to keep one of those guys beyond this year. Which guy are you taking? That is a tough one because all three of them this year really have shown what good, solid veteran leadership can do. Um, you you essentially have three starters coming off your bench for the Bulls, um, and and that's been a huge help and a huge benefit for this young team. But if I had to pick one, ah, I think I'm going Garrett Temple. Uh, one because. Uh, after his stint on the safety protocol, he had COVID, as you know, we all know, before uh, the season started. Uh, he had to deal with that. Um, he's the perfect guy that you want surrounding your star pieces. And I put star because they only really have one as of right now. But as a, a, a guy, a 3 and D guy um, that fits the mode of what Arturis and Mark came from in Philly and in Denver. Like If you look at those rosters, they got a – a roster full of guys between six, four and, you know, six, eight, like long arm dudes, three and D guys that everybody wants to feel their positionless basketball, right. positionless basketball. Exactly. And Garrett Temple is one of those guys. He's a true pro. He is a professional. He comes to work. He's there to start. If you need him, he's there to come off the bench when you need him. Uh, he can be, he can guard uh, the other team's uh, best player. And I'm not saying he's just, you know, great superstar guy, but he's a real solid basketball player that knows what he's doing. He's an adult, another adult in the room uh, when everything's kind of getting flustered. He's one of those guys that you can say, hey, calm down. We got this, you know, get everything in order. Like he's one of those dudes. And, you know, he's been relatively healthy. Like that young, he's had issues staying healthy. Uh, and certainly out of Porter has had issues staying healthy. So, um, for all those reasons, you know, plus some more, I think I'm going to go Garrett Temple. And it may be recency bias just because he just got here. I don't know. That could be it. But I think I'm leaning Garrett Temple. He's also the cheapest one of them because Otto Porter is yeah. on that contract he signed with the Wizards. That's $28 million. I don't know what he's going to be willing to accept as an unrestricted free agent. I'm not sure you want to bring back that young at that $13.5 million figure. So Garrett Temple at $5 million, I think that's the right move. Tony, 
this is a team that has been surprisingly competitive. In their four-game losing streak, they lost by a combined 11 points, which is remarkable. Like, to lose four games in a row and lose by no more than four points in any of them is astonishing. So this team is proving that they can compete in every single basketball game in which they play. I think it's an unfair expectation to say that the Bulls are going to be contending for a playoff spot or at least contending to be in that bottom four in the Eastern Conference. But is it fair to say that this Bulls team is trying to play to win this year? Do you feel like that's an accurate assessment? Or do you feel like whatever the record is, it is, and if the Bulls feel like they can get something for Thad Young, if they can get something for Otto Porter, they'll deal those guys in order to get a draft pick or an asset. Um, I, I don't think they're playing to win right now. I think they're trying to build winning habits. And I think those two can be different uh, depending on the situation. I think for the Bulls, uh, learning how to win is more important than the win, if that makes sense. Um, they've been lose. I don't want to call them losers, but they've been losers. You know, basically their whole career, at least uh, uh, the guys that, the young guys that are here, they have never won on any level in the NBA. Um, and they have to break those bad habits. They have to, in terms of mentally, like getting to know how to win basketball games. That's why that Thunder loss where they lost that lead hurt so much is because they're learning how to win. At one point, that was the norm. I mentioned before uh, at the beginning, you know, of, uh, of our conversation, here we are kind of praising losing, but it's taken a lot to get here point like it's taken a lot to get them to where they're losing by only a couple points and not feeling dejected like this is this feels a lot better than what it was last year even though the losing has continued a little bit like they're still not at 500 they would have lost that lakers game under jim boylan by like 30 points facts facts that's that's a hundred percent facts uh and they told they said it they were asked directly if Last year, do you win this game? They flatly said, no, we don't. And they know that there's a difference now. They're learning how to win basketball games. Um, now, talent-wise, look, it's, it's, it's tough right now. You know, they're not, you know, Milwaukee, Miami. They're not those teams. Uh, and you don't just all of a sudden, just with a coaching change, make it to the playoffs if you've never, one, never been there, and two, haven't even been close. <laughs> so, it's going to take a little bit more time for them to get to that point where we're expect where they're expecting wins like management, where they're expecting consistent winning. They're not there just yet. <clears throat> um, excuse me. So we, we still got to see, they're still learning how to win games and look, everybody's up for sale. If the right deal comes around, except for maybe Patrick Williams, <laughs> like I said before, like anybody can go if the right deal is there. So um, they're still building this team. I don't imagine this roster looks the exact same heading into next season. Um, and I think that's a, that should be exciting for Bulls fans, that everything is being evaluated. Nothing is for certain. Uh, everything is being taken accounted for on this team to make sure that they're putting themselves as an organization in the healthiest position to be a consistent contender uh, for years to come. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, take a couple years. So, but... Bulls fans have never had this type of hope that it can be possible and attained. Like the, the future looks like it can be, it looks tangible rather than just having the hope. 
Final question here for Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Tony, this is a team that has had its own COVID issues. You had the positive test from Tomas Sadoransky and the positive test from Chandler Hutchison. This is a Bulls team that has not played really more than nine guys in a game. They haven't had more than nine guys available. Is the depth concerning as this team slogs through what's going to be the most compressed schedule that we've seen since the 2012-13 strike year? I, th- I think that their current depth is actually the reason why they're playing, you know, relatively well, even in the losses. Um, of course, they would love to have their full complement of players. Everybody does. But this is a sp- extraordinary season. This is an extraordinary time in human history, right? Um, and it's affecting everybody. Uh, there, no one person is exclusive to it. Um, we see now games getting moved and postponed left and right uh, in the NBA. So this is going to be a thing for the whole year. Everybody's got to deal with it, but that, everybody also has to come. If you're available to play, you're going to play. Um, this is the NBA. You're in the league for a reason, <laughs> you know, like you made it to this level for a reason. So if you're available to play, you got to go out there and prove that, you know, you belong at this level. And I think so far that they have, um, when uh, Sato uh, got caught with, uh, with got caught, but <laughs> once he got diagnosed with the uh, with uh, the coronavirus again, the first time uh, he, I don't know if he got, it, I can't remember right now if he had it or it was just contact tracing where he had. To he eat. got it. He got yeah. it, and then Hutchison got it from yeah, him. He hated it the first time around, and then just to come back and get it again, um, I really feel bad for Sato because he he really wanted to get going and, and start playing basketball uh, again. So. Uh, but Chandler Hudson as well that you mentioned, like he, he showed symptoms, like he's dealing with that um, physically. Like it's going to, I don't know what Chandler's going to look like when he comes back. Uh, Yoan Makata of the White Sox, he got it, came back and played. He had MVP expectations and he just physically couldn't get there. Um, he was huffing and puffing all, you know, basically the whole season. So hopefully he's done. Shout out to Yoan Makata, Southside. Um, but we don't know how this is going to, uh, impact a player's health long term we just don't know that there's the science doesn't tell us that just yet so um you know you you hope and pray for the best uh, you prepare for the worst um and you try and you know have guys available that's why you build your roster the way you build it right just so in these situations now you still got to fill the team eight like you still got to go out there and perform and to the bulls credit they've been performing They've they, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter, uh, the mixture of guys that have been available for the Bulls. They've been playing well, um, and they've been playing better basketball than we've ever seen this group play before. Um, so there are still op- obstacles to get through, obviously, uh, through throughout the season. Uh, but from how they're handling it, you gotta say like this: the Bulls are handling very well, considering all that they've uh, been through so far. You can follow him on Twitter at, is it Tony Gill? For some reason, I can't remember what your Twitter handle is off the top of my head. At the Tony Gill. That's it. At the Tony Gill, content producer for NBC Sports Chicago. Tony, thanks again for joining us here, man. Really appreciate it. No problem, Greg. Anytime. Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago. We'll take a quick break and wrap it up right after this here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. 
Support for HoopBall comes from Manscaped, who offers the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Happy New Year from Manscaped, who offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is here to help you have clean balls for the new year. Ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Happy 2021. Spoiler alert, hairy nuts are still gross. Step into the new year with the tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The Perfect Package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package you need to start off strong this new year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Start the new year with a fresh set of testes thanks to Manscaped. Bring sexy back in 2021. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Well, that was an awesome conversation with Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago. You can tell he loves covering the Bulls. He's got his pulse on the team, and he's just a great conversationalist, and he's got a great voice. Like, you listen to Tony Gill's voice, and you're like, that's the voice of a broadcasting angel. I really had fun talking to Tony. I hope that we can do it again at some point soon. He's a busy guy, but I hope that if we ask him again, he will be willing to come on again. He was very generous with his time, and he gave us a lot of great insight into what is going on from his view in the Chicago Bulls organization. You know, working at NBC Sports Chicago, he's around Casey Johnson, the Bulls insider. He's around Jason Goff, the host of the pregame show, along with the Bulls pre- and postgame analysts, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, are still Kendall Gill and Will Perdue. Tony is an extremely knowledgeable guy when it comes to basketball, and he's got access to great knowledge as well. So I hope that we are able to have Tony on at some point in the near future. We're going to wrap it up here on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to Tony Gill of NBC Sports Chicago for coming on the program. Have a great rest of your day, and as always, Go Bulls! This has been a Hoopball presentation.